you're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Join the photography and videography community at Photo Plus 2019, October 24th to 26th at the Javits Convention Center in New York City. This three-day photography and videography event exposes you to everything you need to improve your business and hone your craft. Get your hands on the newest gear from leading brands and hear practical tips during interactive sessions led by well-known experts directly in their booths. Visit photoplusexpo.com and use promo code MASTER to register for free. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show, all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I'm welcoming back Erica Kay joining me today. How are you, Erica? I'm great. How are you, Jeff? Oh, really good. I'm so glad we can have you on the show. It's only been a few weeks, and that's awesome. We get you back again. That's I know. Awesome. I know. What yeah. is what is happening in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, that's it's great. I'm really excited about it. You know, we we've had a few people mention that we've been super heavy on like the post processing side of photography for a while now in our our weekly episodes. So they were hoping we could get back to a little bit more of like the shooting side of things and offering help there for, especially for people that are just starting out. We have tons of listeners that are are adding, we're adding to the show all the time. I know that are kind of just starting on their journey towards mastering their photography. We're so glad to have them aboard. So we're going to kind of do a little bit more on the shooting side in this episode today. And we're going to start off with some fall mini session tips. And uh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. excited to go through this with you, Erica. Tell me, for some for photographers who may not be familiar, what is this whole concept of fall mini sessions? Yeah, so fall mini sessions, it's essentially where you as the photographer book a chunk of time, let's say like a Saturday afternoon, um, and you offer up mini sessions during this time frame. So every 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour, however long you decide to do the mini sessions, you would book people back to back within certain time frames that you create within this larger time frame. And then people come to you wherever you are at a park or in a backyard, wherever you happen to set up. People come to you, they get their photos taken for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then and then that's it. It's a really popular concept, especially in the fall for photographers. Tons and tons of family photographers take advantage of this because it's it's a great way to bring in a pretty large chunk of change in a pretty short amount of time. And so many people want family photos during the fall for their holiday cards and gifts and all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty successful tool, especially for family photographers out there. Yeah. It's like when the the weather changes to get a little cooler and the leaves are going to change that everyone's suddenly thinking like, oh, it's time to, this is great. Let's go get family photos. And Mm -hmm. uh, at least Mom usually is. Dad's not so much on board usually, but <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the moms. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're ready to go. Okay, so uh, so if if a photographer is thinking about doing this, let's walk through like how to accomplish this. What what kinds of things should they do? So starting off with maybe booking. You, you talked about you want to organize your day. So you you the objective is to like fill one day with as many shoots as you possibly can, right? Right. Or you can offer two days or, you know, however you want to do it. There's tons of different ways to do it. But the objective is whatever amount of time you decide to to dedicate to this, you want to fill it up with as many people as possible so that it's convenient and easy for you to not have to book a bunch of random sessions with different families in different locations. You're just in one spot and people are coming to you. 
and cash it in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, tell you have some tips then about booking so that you can try to make that work so that you 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 mm-hmm. have a mini back to back as possible. Yeah. So this is just everything that I'm going to talk about today is is my experience with it. I'm definitely not like a master at doing this. <laughs> I just I just know what I do and it works for me. So I want to be able to share that with everybody. So the the first thing I recommend when you're trying to book these out is to first reach out to people directly. So reach out to your past clients, especially um, if you don't have past clients, reach out to your friends, your family, your acquaintances reach out to those people too, even if you do have past clients. But reaching out to your network directly with a personal customized invite to each of those people really makes them feel special. And as more, it gets their attention more as opposed to just like randomly sending out a newsletter or randomly posting on social media Mm -hmm. or whatever. So reaching out to people directly is so important. And you should do this before you announce it to the public because it's kind of makes it feel a little exclusive. Like if you let them know that you're just contacting contacting them directly, you were thinking about them, you wanted to make sure that they got in before you announce it to the public, that's going to it's going to make you look good and it's going to make them feel good and it's going to result in them trusting you and wanting to book with you. So in my personal experience just with this year, I sold out about 75% of my spots this year just with my personal messages before I even open them to the public. And are, I just opened them to the public today, actually. Are you um, giving most them most of the spots are already full. Are you giving them any kind of like friends, family discount or something like that in, in this personal invite? No, no discount. So the the concept of mini sessions are it's a shorter time frame, so it's a lower price point. So discounting them even further is yeah. just kind of doing you a disservice, you, uh-huh. but you can do that. You know, you can, I know photographers who will offer maybe not so much a d- discount, but maybe they'll offer like a free eight by 10 print to uh-huh. the people who are returning clients or, you know, just some sort of uh, value add to in- and encourage people to book. But okay. I did not do that. All right. Okay. So okay. what else? So once you've done that, then I recommend using Canva or you can use Photoshop or Illustrator or anything like that too, but some sort of design software to create a graphic that you can share on social media. And I guess I should say graphics, not just a graphic. Um, you want to create a variety of diff- of different graphics using like different photos, different samples of your work so that you have different assets to post with. So for example, I created, I think like, I don't know, six different um, like Instagram story images that I'm going to be posting throughout the next couple of weeks just until they fill up. I, I don't even know that I'll need to use all six of them, but I just went ahead and created them while I was at it. So I posted one today. I'll post another maybe on Friday and then a different one next week. So just switching them up and and using different images, different fonts, whatever, um, is a good good idea because it won't feel stale and you'll have content that you can continue to use. And you want to make sure that you're using them on Instagram, both in stories and on the actual you know, feed of Instagram. Mm-hmm. You want to use them on Facebook, on your personal page, on your stories, on your business page. You want to really just make sure you're you're utilizing all of your social media channels to get that information out into the world. Okay. And then... If all else fails and you haven't booked by this time, which is probably not very likely, um, especially if you really 
reach out to a lot of people within your network. Uh, again, many sessions are very popular. They usually fill up pretty fast. But if you do need to continue uh, advertising for this, you can consider running ads. And I would definitely do this as a last resort. So you can run Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, whatever. Those are some of the best ones. But I really think that if you promote it well enough within your network, um, then you probably won't need to resort to that. If someone's just starting out and they don't have much of a network or a, an established clientele, maybe they, they would have to go to that first, sooner? Yeah. And I think if you're just starting out, which I know a lot of our listeners are, you do not feel like you have to have a huge client base already in order for this to be successful. You can reach out just to people you know. Think yeah. of all of your your friends and your family and you know who in your personal network, not professional network, needs photos or likes to have their photos taken. And it's important to remember that these don't have to just be families. Families are the most common demographic for these photos, but they don't have to be just families. I've had seniors take advantage of a quick session. I've had um, like couples come back, like maybe they've been married a couple years and they just want like fresh photos of of themselves. you You don't have to just target families. You can think of other people as well. Sure. Perfect. You could even consider it going to depend on the rules, but there's a lot of communities that have a Facebook group or some sort of community kind of communication thing. And maybe they would have rules against advertising services because you'd probably get it filled with that. But you could look there (laughs) and see if that's if it's something you can post or not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. so getting the word out, how how far in advance are you advertising it? How much time between like starting to advertise and doing the shoot? So most photographers, at least in my region, they have their minis in mid to late October because that's when the leaves are changing. Uh And they start advertising usually maybe mid-August through mid-September. So for me personally, I'm having two days of mini sessions, one in the city where I live on October 19th and then one in the city where I grew up on October 26th. And I started... I pushed all this information out to my past clients and my friends and family before Labor Day. And then today, which at the time of recording, it's September 11th, um, I just today pushed it out into the public sphere. So uh, I've I've been communicating with my clients and friends and family for the past couple of weeks, gave them all time to to fill it up if they wanted to. And then just today, which is, let's see. Uh, five weeks until my first mini session day um, is when I launched it to the public. Perfect. Okay. So I think that part of it is is there's some good tips there about things to think about if you're going to do this. Now, the problem that immediately comes to my mind, if if I was going to do this, I've never done a mini mini session like this, but if I was going to, I can imagine uh, logistics would be a a massive challenge for me because I tend (laughs) to... I tend to focus on like getting the very best image I can, creating the best image of the the person in front of me. And I'd probably go over the allotted time like really easily. And then people <laughs> be stacked up and, and angry they're waiting for a long time and people being late. And that just seems like a, a, a recipe for a, a pretty big nightmare. So what kind of tips do you have for kind of <laughs> keeping that all organized and going smoothly? Yeah, so I want to talk about kind of the pre-shoot logistics first and okay. then and then we'll talk about the the during the shoot logistics. Okay. So a couple of things that I think are super important up front is 
One, make sure that you require payment upfront. They need to pay in order to secure a spot on your schedule. Minis, because they're lower priced and because they're, you know, they're just small, quick sessions that are not individualized to the family or to the person, they tend to sometimes get forgotten about or they're just not valued like mm-hmm. others, other full sessions are. So if you don't require a payment up front, it's likely that you'll ha- you'll be ghosted by at least gotcha. one or two people. Make sure that you require payment in order to secure a spot. Of course, if it's like, you know, your best friend or your sister and you know that they're not going to do that to you, that's fine. But <laughs> for the most part, you know, get or that payment up front to secure that spot. That might mean they're more likely to do it if you're, if it's maybe, <laughs> maybe, but maybe that'd be a welcome break. I don't you'd know. know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. What else? Okay, so structuring your minis, you need to decide what length of time you're comfortable with. So, Jeff, you said you want to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. So maybe your minis are a full half hour. I am, I don't feel that way. I feel like I I would rather shoot less because they are minis. minis. And in my right. case, they're actually micros because they're they're smaller than any mini session that I actually offer individually. So I did... The session itself is 15 minutes, but I schedule them every 20 minutes. So it's a good idea with whatever time you want to actually be shooting, give yourself five to 10 minutes in between each session for scheduling purposes. This will give you some flexibility in case people are late or in your case, Jeff, you want to overshoot or you want to shoot more, (laughs) or it could give you just a few minutes to have a little bit of break in between uh, clients if you need it. Yeah, and I would I would try to do it. My ideal would be to stick to that. I just know I have that tendency, so I I need to make sure I have something to help me keep on schedule and and not focus in on on taking more yeah. shots. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember to ask me that question okay. when we get down to the shooting I think part? So I think so. Because <laughs> I can I can answer that for you. All right. Okay. What else? Okay. All right. So scheduling all of these people can definitely be a hassle, especially if you're doing multiple days or if you're doing like a really long day, you're not just doing like a few hours. If if you have maybe like 10 openings, it might not be too stressful. But if you have 20 or 30 or 40 openings for your minis, it can get crazy trying to like keep track of who who's at what time and who's paid. And when people ask you like, oh, hey, what times are available? You don't want to send them like a list of 40 different times. So in that case, it might be a good idea for you to use some sort of automatic scheduling system. Like Square Appointments is really popular. You just, they just can see what times are available within a set amount of time and then they can just schedule themselves. And then also with Square Square Appointments, they can actually pay right then Uh. as well. You can have it set to where they can't even um, confirm the time until they make a payment. Gotcha. So something like that could be really helpful for those of you who are doing a large amount of minis. Can they cancel and get refunded? You know, I don't know. I've no, never okay. had anybody do that. I <laughs> actually don't do it, an automatic scheduler. I just do it on my own. But um, that's a good question. Hmm. All right. I have to look it up maybe. Okay. What other tips? Okay. This one is something we talk about a lot, but be sure to have all of your clients sign a model release and a contract or a contract just because they're minis, just because they're small sessions, just because you're probably not going to like write a huge blog post and and share each session with the world doesn't mean that you should not 
still protect yourself and have them sign the contract. So you can do this before the session if you want, like you can do it at the time of booking. If you have an electronic system like 17 hats or other some other similar CRM, or you can take paper copies with you and have them sign it in person when they arrive to the session. Okay. All right. Okay. Final organization logistics tip. Be sure to set your expectations up front. You need to communicate these expectations with the clients beforehand so that there is no questions about what's going to happen before, during, and after the session. So usually maybe a month or so, three to four weeks prior to your session, send out an email to everybody who is confirmed, everybody who's signed up and paid, Mm -hmm. and send them information about wardrobe suggestions that can be things to wear or things not to wear. Location information, parking information, tell them to arrive five to 10 minutes early so that you don't have to worry, hopefully don't have to worry about people being late. And then also be sure to talk to them or to share the information with them about the turnaround time, because inevitably you'll have somebody email you that night or the next day like, hey, can't wait to see my photos. When are they going to be ready? If you take the time beforehand to get that information out there in the world, you're going to reduce the amount of time you have to respond to emails like that after the fact. Um, And setting those expectations up front will just make everything much more clear and efficient and hopefully less stressful for you and for the clients. Are you communicating then what happens like if someone was late, how they could, is it like a come anyway and like stick if you can stick around to the end and maybe we can fit you in or something like that? Yeah, that's a great idea. So typically what I say is if you're late, you we we do not go over your time. So if you're five minutes late, then your session is 10 minutes if right. they were signed up for like a 15 minute session. Yeah. Um, I I do not extend the day for them. I do not give refunds. There, you know, I I ask one thing of you. I ask you to be there when you're supposed to be there, and that's all I need from you. Yeah. So if if that can't happen, then I'm sorry. If it's something really terrible, let's like say that there was a you know a death in the family, or they got in, tr- in an accident on the way there, then of course I'd work with them. Sure. But if it's just a matter of like, oh my hair wasn't doing what I needed to do, <laughs> then Sorry. Yep. What about like weather? Yes, that is a great, great question. So I, I, a lot of people will say weather dependent. I choose locations that allow me to shoot regardless of the weather. Ah. So um, a park that has a gazebo that I can shoot under if it rains or, you know, something like that where I can, I can still have the sessions at the time and date that I have scheduled but we would still be protected. Okay. All right. Obviously, if there's like a tornado, then that's a different story. But, <laughs> you know, for the most part, it should be fine. Been a while since we've had a tornado in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a little more common occurrence there, huh? Yeah. Yep. Okay. How about then the shooting part? The the shooting tips so you can make sure you rip through this schedule, make everyone super happy and get it all done. Yes, absolutely. So, I'm going to I want to answer those two questions before I forget that you asked. Okay. Um what was it overshooting and The other one was I think just about the square oh, time management. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What were you just sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Nope, what, that's what good. were you saying? I had also asked about square appointments and canceling, but I I don't know that we Oh, that's right. Okay. That All right. So time management. 
a couple of things that you can do. One, if you have like an Apple Watch or even you can use your phone, you want to like set up times within your calendar so that your your phone will notify you when you have like five minutes left, dependent on how long your session is. If you have a 30 minute session, then maybe it reminds you when you have 10 minutes left. Um, So set up some sort of reminder system in your phone or your watch if you have if you have an, an Apple Watch or something like that so that it's notifying you when you need to start wrapping up. Two, having someone there to assist you will be so helpful. So not only will this person be there to like greet people when they arrive or deal with questions or assist you during like the actual shooting part, but they also can be your timekeeper and they can help you, you know, stay on track. They can make sure that you are not run- running over time. They can, you know, just kind of ping you when when you're kind of going off on a tangent with someone. So having a, an assistant, if you can, would be super, super helpful. Yep. Love it. Okay. What else? Okay. Make sure you come prepared. These are like, they're kind of like school photos where it's just like, go, 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 go. There's really no time for a break unless somebody doesn't show up. So you cannot be unprepared or underprepared. You need to make sure that you bring extra batteries with you, extra memory cards, backups of equipment, all that kind of stuff. It's a good idea also to have a cooler with you with waters for both yourself, your assistant, and your clients. And then also, because a lot of these will probably be families and and a lot of families with young kids, you want to have some things that will engage the kids. Because as we know, sometimes kids can be a little difficult during photos. Um, so make sure you have toys or noisemakers or bubbles, stickers, anything like that that's going to kind of get their attention and have them look at you. And then also maybe something that you can bribe them with, like stickers. Like if you're really good, I'll give you a sticker. Um, so things that will attract the attention of the kids. And then sometimes dogs, too. Like if you're going to allow people to bring their pets, those those things are good for pets as well. Yeah. Um, it's also a good idea to have just some beauty products like a comb, hairspray, powder if people are getting oily, anything that will just help with minor touch-ups if if people need them. Okay, excellent. Okay, so we were talking about areas a couple minutes ago or locations a couple minutes ago. Like I said, I like to choose an, an area that has a cover in case the weather is bad, but I also like to choose an area that has a few different background options. So if you're if you're planning to have minis that are longer than like 10 minutes or so a piece, it's really nice to have some variety in your location. That doesn't mean you have to like have an urban look and then a greenery look. <laughs> right. It just means maybe you have like pine trees in one and then a pond for the next five minutes and and then like I don't know, a hill for the next five minutes, just somewhere that you can you can quickly and easily move from one spot to another and have it look a little different. Okay. So are you are you using like lights and light modifiers and and things like that while you're doing this? Usually not, but sometimes it just kind of depends on the weather. So if I typically try to schedule my sessions for the late afternoon and early evening where I'm getting some nice like rim light and backlight and golden hour light. Okay. Um, and so usually I have I have good luck with using natural light with that. But if it's a cloudy day or I have to do it at a time that I don't normally do them, 
then yes, I'll bring light. And that's when that's especially when it's helpful to have an assistant. Right. Especially if you're going to be moving around to different background options. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And sometimes sometimes I'll have let's say I'm at a park and I know I want to use my lights in front of these trees at a park, but I don't need to use my lights in front of this pond or something like that. Um, so some sometimes I'm using lights for only part of the session. Okay, perfect. All right. What okay, else? so now that we're, we're on the subject of, of light, yeah. make sure you're considering the light during the time of day that you're going to be shooting. So just like with any other session, go scout the location out at the time that you're going to be shooting. Pay attention to where the sun is. What's the position of the sun so that you know the best direction to shoot, the the best locations to shoot, all that good stuff. So make sure you're avoiding harsh sunlight for these, especially because as we know, the harsh sunlight casts crazy shadows. And when you have families who are huddled together or, or maybe looking down and not so much looking up at the camera, you'll see that you'll get a lot, a lot more shadows in that instance. So having a softer light source is definitely, definitely useful for the minis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise it kind of, you know, they, they may as well just take the picture with their cell phone. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. What else? Okay. So my last tip for shooting, unless you have some questions for me, would be to remember the basics of family posing. Again, a lot of these will be will be families. So you you, you obviously want to make sure you take, you know, one or two of the photos where they're looking at the camera and smiling because people like those, but it's important to not forget that family photos should not be just looking at the camera and smiling. It should be a you should be documenting how they interact with each other. So do your typical triangle type shape format with your with your looking at the camera and smiling photos. But for the rest of the time, allow them to interact with each other, allow them to move around, allow them to have a connection um, so that you're documenting more of a lifestyle type of session for them and not just just a posed, you know, looking at the camera and smiling type of session. A good balance, a good mix between the two is what you should strive for there. Okay. So you're you're not having a single image come out of these then, it sounds like. You, you're giving them more than one image out of yeah. The time. Yeah. Yeah. So for mine, 15 minutes and up to, up to 10 images. Okay. Some people do like 30 minutes unlimited images. It just really depends on what you want to do and what you're comfortable with. But it's it's usually, uh, again, a short amount of time and then usually a smaller amount of images. Okay. Yeah. So if mom's think, thinking, hey, we can get full family and individuals all in 15 minutes if we hurry, that you're, you're good with that. It's their 15 minutes. So, you know, go. If they want one of each, then okay. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's no guarantee. So I do try to to do smaller groupings. Like I, I do want to try to get a photo, especially of, of just the parents without the kids mm-hmm. or just the kids without the parents. It just really depends on the flow of things and how the kids are behaving and, and right. you know, what's going on. But yeah, my goal is to not just do full groups if i if i can if we have the time i want to again try to do the smaller groups or individuals okay and uh, maybe just going back to that setting expectations discussion another thing that i know i have to do constantly and my wife actually does a way better job of this than i do is setting the expectation with the family that 
Like, hey, you don't worry about getting your kids posed or smiling or any of that. Your job is just to be here and smile. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to the parents. Absolutely. Because I, I have, yeah. I have so many photos with families where. Everything is great except for mom who has her head tilted yelling at the kids to smile <laughs> or yep. or dad uh, doing the same. He's like, we're paying for these pictures. Everyone straighten up right now. And then that, of course, changes the whole mood of everything and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, yeah, trying to set the yep. expectation right up front and remind them when they get there too. like, OK, your job is not to worry about the kids. I'll take care of that. You just mm -hmm. you you look at me the entire time and you smile so that you don't ruin the photo. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a great thing to include in that email that you should send out a month or so before. And and another thing that goes along with that is if you're if you're giving the parents a space to to relax and you're taking that pressure away from them, they're going to be less stressed, which means the kids will be oh, less yeah. stressed. Usually when a parent is stressed or up, or upset, a kid kind of feeds off of that. Right. They they can feel it and then they're their um, feelings and emotion kind of try start to replicate that. So if you can create an environment where the parents don't have to feel stressed and don't have to feel pressure to force their two-year-old, terrible two-year-old to stare at the camera, it's going to let them relax a little bit, which will then hopefully allow the kid to relax a little bit too. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's really good advice. And uh, I'm glad my wife takes care of that <laughs> so, so we, can, <laughs> we can handle that. All right. I, that was that was really fun. That's excellent. I, I should try this some year. I don't think I'm going to do it this year. I, I have too many other things already going on in yeah. the fall here. But uh, yeah, yeah, that it would be a, a good exercise for me to just to like do something new and different. And uh, yeah, for sure. And they're not just for fall. Like a lot of people do them in the spring, sure. too, when when um, flowers are blooming. So you could consider doing it then as well. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break here to thank a sponsor. And then we're going to talk about a project that I just I just went through. It was really fun and I, I learned a lot. So, um, but, but in the meantime, uh, listeners of the show here, you should know that here on the Master Photography Podcast, we are all about learning and growing as photographers. We often talk about things photographers can do to move down the path towards mastering the art of photography. And that's why we're so happy to have a partner who helped to make this episode possible in Masterclass. Masterclass is high-quality online training from true masters in their field. Imagine if you could sit down at your computer and you could watch video training on climbing photography from world-renowned photographer Jimmy Chin. In his Masterclass course, Jimmy takes you through an outdoor portrait shoot and how he thinks about using natural light, how you can win shoots with commercial clients and staying safe in high-stakes photography, he shares his editing process and, and a whole lot more. I, I love that with Masterclass, the video is stunning and the audio is incredible. It's, it's an immersive training experience that you can access on any device that you can choose from your, your phone to your computer, something like an Apple TV. There's a lot of options and ways that you can consume this really, really good content. Each of the more than 60 Masterclass courses have multiple lessons that are between 10 and 15 minutes long making it really easy to take a little break from your editing of your photos and invest a little bit of time in yourself. Plus, Masterclass offers a 30-day money-back guarantee when you sign up for an annual membership, so there's really nothing to lose. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a listener, you can get 15% off the annual access pass. 
To do that, go to masterclass.com slash MPP. That's masterclass.com slash MPP for 15% off Masterclass. Okay, I want to talk about a a shoot I did recently. And it's uh, it's a little different thing than I've ever had before. I don't know how common this might be. Uh, Erica, have you, have you had a, a similar kind of experience? We've already talked before the show about kind of what it was, but have you had a similar kind of experience? Yes, actually, right now, as we speak. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, this this will be interesting. So so let me set up the scenario here. Um, as, as we were prepping for the show and, and what we wanted to talk about in this episode, um, I thought, okay, I want to, I want to, I think we can talk about this. It was a, a, an interesting experience. It was fun to go through. And now as, as I've written like some show notes up and, and going through it, I'm like, oh, I think I could feel like an entire episode with, with just talking about <laughs> some different aspects of this. So I'm going to try really hard to, to rein in what I'm going to do here, just like I would be in those mini sessions and going over time <laughs> between sessions. I <laughs> uh, will try to rein it in and, and make it a little faster. But here, here's what happened. Let me set up kind of the scenario so you can understand. I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on how I how I shot it and what, what happened with the end result. But I had a friend of mine um, contact me on Facebook Messenger, um, kind of out of the blue. And it, interesting that it took place on Facebook Messenger because Facebook is becoming something that a, a lot of small business owners are not uh, really liking to use anymore. And and we've had lots mm-hmm. of feedback that people don't want to use the Facebook groups and for the show and, and the community we've got there. And this totally came from Facebook. <laughs> so uh, it, it is someone that I, I knew. They, I used to live very near them. And uh, so this relationship from a long time ago. And uh, but I, I haven't even talked with him for for quite a while. I see posts from him on Facebook every once in a while. But contacts me on Facebook Messenger says, "Hey, I need to get a a headshot taken for a company. He's just recently changed jobs, switched to a new company, and uh, he's the the team he is on in this new company. They're a pretty distributed team. They they don't all live in and work in like a centralized headquarters or so. It's not going to be like a corporate headshot day and everyone's coming into the office and and going to get their headshots taken in exactly the same environment, the same lighting set up by the same photographer with the same processing to make it all look the same. This is a distributed team all over the United States, and so the CEO just went and hired a. a photographer to take his photo, his headshot. And now he sent out an email to everyone in the company saying, now you all need to go do the same. Here's the image that you need to have it look like. You need to all go hire a photographer in your area, get a a headshot taken so that we can put it on our website. So he sends me, he he says, do you think you can do this? And um, sends me the, the photo. So I take a look at the photo it's sent through messenger. So it's not high quality because, you know, Facebook kills everything, all the photos. So, uh, but I, I could see enough of the photo that, uh, think, yeah, okay. I think I can handle this. And, uh, and so I say, yeah, sure. I, I think I can do this. And he said, okay, I, I need it in a week. So can we get together? Like and he contacted me on a Friday. Can we get together early, like Monday, Tuesday, something like that. So we can make sure we get it done. And uh, so I, I'm looking at my schedule and like, okay, well, I mean, I have my full-time job, so <laughs> I have to fit this around that. And I was like, yeah, m- lunch looks open on Monday. So yeah, let's, let's target Monday. And then I'm thinking in my head, I need to kind of get ready for this. Like uh, I need to mimic the same photo that the CEO has. So there's some consistency between the photo I'm going to create for this client and the one that the CEO took. 
And, um, and so I, I need to like figure out what lighting I'm going to use. I need to, to figure out what background I'm going to use. Cause I, I immediately thinking I'm going to composite this. The background is not just a, a normal, it's not a, a single color kind of background. It's, it's a gray kind of background and it has a little bit of detail in it of some kind, but it's not, so it's not, it's not like a, a gradient fill or a, a, a plain gray background. And I think I'm thinking as I'm talking to him, I'll just like, you know, the few seconds we're exchanging messages on messenger here. I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to use content aware fill to take him out the, the model, the CEO out of the photo and get the background to be there. And then I'm going to just composite this client in there so that it will look really, really similar. And so, uh, so I'm thinking this and then, and he's like, okay, that's great. Let's, let's do this. And, and we schedule the time. So, now the the next phase of this that I needed to go through, Erica, was really analyzing this photo. So I, I actually asked him, "Hey, can you email me this photo?" And he was a little confused. He's like, "Email? Why would we use email? <laughs> if we're on Facebook <laughs> Messenger. I just sent you the photo." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but I need the original image. I need the the highest quality copy of that image that I can get because I'm planning to steal the background out of the photo. Steals a." a bad word maybe, but I, I need to use that same <laughs> background. And so he's like, okay, whatever. I'll send you an email. We'll, we'll do it old school if you insist. And so he, he does, he sends me the photo. And now I, this is an exercise I think listeners could all benefit from is especially if it's a photo that you like, if you really think that a fo- someone's done a really good job on a photo, analyzing the photo to try to, to think in your head, how did they create that photo is a really powerful thing, a really important way that you can learn, especially if you go so far as to trying to replicate it. Not saying you need to like fully copy somebody and, and what it is they're doing, but even just as a learning tool, if you don't do anything else with it, if you want to learn how to create a photo like what you just, you know, something that you saw that you appreciate, then taking it all the way to executing and trying to get a similar kind of photo is a powerful, powerful way to learn. Um, so Erica, what I, I've shared this photo with you. I, I don't think I can share it with the group or with the community online because I, I didn't take it. This is not my photo. I don't have permission to share it. So I'm not I'm not going to share it with everybody, but I let you take a look so you can tell me. I want I wanted to know what do you think the photographer did in creating this image? Sure. And I, I have to agree with you. I definitely think analyzing photos is really, really helpful and really educational. I tell, I tell students that all the time. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, okay. So this photo, as you said, he is up against a gray backdrop. I think just from my experience that he is very close to the gray backdrop. And I think that backdrop is actually a roll of gray seamless paper. Okay. The texture that, that you see there to me, it looks like the natural texture, the natural little bumps that happens on uh, paper backgrounds okay. over time. Once they get a little bit of humidity on them, they kind of get that little bumpy look. And that's what that looks like to me. I also think he's very close to the background because I can see a little bit of shadow around part on the see camera right side of him uh-huh. up against the background, which makes me think he's very close to the background. Right. Um, in term of in terms of lighting, I think there is one light based on what I see uh, the catch lights in his eyes. It looks like one light, very small light source. It's a very tiny catch light. And there's also pretty harsh shadows coming down from like underneath his nose 
uh, and semi-harsh shadows underneath the chin, but those are the types of shadows that you would see from a small, smaller light source. And it looks like it's positioned up above the camera quite a bit, but not really too much off to the side, just barely, barely off to the side uh, because the lighting is somewhat flat other than those shadows underneath the nose and and underneath the chin. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's exactly how I kind of took it too. Very close to the background, one light. Uh, looks like a modified light to me. It doesn't look like it's like a, a bare flash. Yeah, maybe like a shoot through umbrella or something. Yeah, there's some sort of modified light in the front. Okay, so now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so I already decided I, I'm going to have to do a composite here. I want to get the exact same background in the image. And um, and since I don't have that same background, I, I'm going to need to just, like I said, take the, the copy of this photo that I've got, try to content aware fill out the the model that's in that photo and and then composite my client onto it. Now I have to decide what am I get. So there's two kind of decisions that I still need to do. The first is what background am I going to use in the when I shoot the client? And second, what uh, lighting setup am I going to do? Am I going to try to replicate this lighting? And so let's talk about the first decision there, choosing a background. Um, I don't have a gray background. And I really wish I did for this shoot that (laughs) even if it wasn't a perfect match, it gives you like a little bit more forgiveness when you're trying to extract the model from the background if you have a close match. And, uh, and that would have probably been a little bit less work if I did have a, it looks like it's a little darker than like the 18% gray. It's anyway, it, it, mm-hmm. it would have been nice if I had that, but I don't. So uh, that was not an option to do a gray background. The backgrounds I have are white, green, and black. And uh, I didn't want to do black. I thought that would, uh, that would be too different from what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I don't want to go into a ton of detail on, on exactly what I, what chose and why, but it, it came down in my mind between white and green. And, um, to be honest, I have tried green quite a bit in the past. I've done a lot of composite work. And when you think of composites, everyone thinks of green, like even non-photographers know that when, when they're going to do composite yeah. stuff, people green use screen. green. That's, that's what you do. And, you know, mm-hmm. the weather manner in front of green screens, the, uh, movie scenes, you've seen behind the scenes, whatever. Everyone knows that that's what you do. So when I was first getting into composites, I did exactly the same thing. I thought, well, everybody does green, so I'm going to get green and I'm going to do it. And I was really disappointed and and thought, what am I doing wrong here? Because no matter what I did, how I tried to process the photos, I was ending with like green tint all over in my model. In the hair in particular was really tough, but it would be like green edges around the the fine details in the clothing, and it was just really tough to deal with. And so uh, I turned to, or, or I just tried something else and, and went to a white background in the composite work I've done for, for a couple of years now. It's all been on white, and I was way happier with the results that I could produce in doing that, but it had been a while since I tried green. So I decided, well, I'm, I got two days. I got the weekend (laughs) to try some stuff out as I prepare for this Monday shoot. And, uh, I'm going to give it a go again. I want to see what green looks like. So I set up green in the, in my basement here where I was going to do the shoot, set up my lights. We'll talk about how the, the lights in just a second. And then I, I just took pictures of myself. I set up a timer on the camera and, 
and took pictures of myself in front of that back, the, the green background. And then I went and processed it on the computer. And it, I have learned a lot about both the shooting and lighting and the post-processing since the last I tried green. And I was able to get a much better result than I remembered getting previously when I tried green in the past. Uh, but it still was tough, especially in like the fine detailed parts the hair, I don't have much of it, but but my, I do have some, and I just couldn't get it to be that. I either like had to like get rid of the details of the hair and to get rid of the green, or had like just a, a tinge of green, and it just looks so unnatural. It's like a, a an alarm going off if people are looking at the photo, like is there green in his hair? <laughs> what is that? So, um, so I, I, I took down the green and put up the white and tried it again. And I was just happier with how the white worked for me and, and how I work and the post-processing. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true universally. And I think people have been super successful with green. I mean, obviously all of us think of that when it comes to composites. Um, but it might be a tip, especially if people have not done this much of trying white, um, just to see, I, I find it to be a more forgiving thing it it actually can look kind of um, like normal and and something you wanted to have like the white around the details um, because a hair light would do that in a photo and mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, and so it, it can look normal and and make it so you don't have to fully eliminate the edges where green just won't look normal <laughs> no matter right. what you do it won't look normal until you eliminate it and you might be giving up some fine details in the photo to do that all right so I decided white. I was going to do white for this shoot. Um, and then now it's the lighting. And like you, I'd, I'd recognized a single light and I thought, but I don't want to do a single light. I just can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't set it up this way. So I, I went with a three light setup and it's not going to match fully, but it, it, that, that difference I don't think is going to be, um, you know, a, a huge deal for this website. And as it goes that I, got a little bit better lighting on the client here, I think, than than the CEO's photos that he had. Um, we'll see. I, I haven't heard back fully from, you know, how the company's responded yet. My client's really happy with the the photos, but uh, I, yeah, they look great. I decided to go and do three lights. So I, I had a, a 36 inch softbox camera, right? And I should say that the posing was also something that I wanted to make sure I copied. Uh, uh, make it look consistent. I, I would think a photographer with a corporate headshot, I mean, maybe there'd be a little bit of variance. I, I don't know how it would depend on the photographer, but just to to try to mimic it as much as I could. Um, the photographer had the CEO stand with his shoulders uh, slightly turned with his right shoulder being just a little bit in front of his left shoulder. It wasn't a big turn, but just a, a little bit um, there. And then looking straight at the camera. So I was going to set my client up this exact same way. And that meant that my lighting, I wanted the main light, which is this 36-inch softbox with a 8200 flash, a Godox 8200 flash inside it, off to camera right. And then, um, and I'm using the, the bulb head on that Godox flash instead of the Fresnel head so I can really fill that softbox with light. Then on the camera left, I'm using a 28-inch softbox and, again, another 8200 with the bulb head and um, getting them as close as I can, given all of the environment factors that I have. I'm, I'm in a constrained space and actually I have a pool table I have to deal with. 
<laughs> in my basement that I can't move. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I've set them up so that it'll be as close as I can get them. And then um, I have a third light that I wanted in the background. We talked about like a, a hair light is what a lot of photographers call this to try to, to help provide some separation between the person in the background a little bit. It's, it's a common thing that you see in professional photos. And what I really wanted was to use um, another AD200 with a mag grid and a mag sphere on it in the back for the hair light, but I couldn't find my my mag grid or mag sphere. I looked for two oh, days no. and I could not find. I was like, "Where? What did I do oh, with no. those?" So uh, I found them like that afternoon after the shoot. <laughs> they were in my they were in my car that my wife had as she was gone during the shoot. So uh, it was in the car away from the house. And I, I just didn't even think to look there. So anyway, I turned to instead I did a, a Godox TT600 flash, great, great flash too, with a mag bounce. And that was just equipment I already had around and it was the mag bounce was already on that flash. So I just put it on a light stand and set it up there and uh, used that to to get my my hair light. Um, and the lighting worked out great. It was it, I thought it ended up really, really nice to have some some really nice lighting on the client and, and, uh, present them in a, a pretty flattering way. And, uh, it was great. I, it turned out really good. So now the compositing aspect, getting on the computer and have to extract it. Oh, it actually, there's one more challenge that uh, a surprise that came up to me in the shoot. We talked about setting expectations with the, the mini sessions and how important that is. I didn't do a good job of establishing expectations here. My client comes, I, I had the expectation of he's just going to come dressed in probably because the CEO had a, a suit coat on and dress shirt and and we're going to do uh, like less than waist up, uh, like chest level up on the on the photo. And I, I thought he'd just come dressed in the one one thing and we'd take a few shots and I'd use the best of the shots I took and, and composite those in. Instead, he brought three changes of clothes with him. And, uh, we just hadn't all about setting those expectations. Yeah, we just hadn't talked about it at all. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect that. And, uh, like, Oh, well, that's a lot more work than I had anticipated. <laughs> and he actually wanted to do di- four different shots with those three different <laughs> sets of clothes, like tie without and, and so on. And then he also wanted to do toothy smile versus no toothy smile because he didn't know which one he'd want. So now we're talking about eight different images that I, I want. I need to composite and put on this background for him, which I mean, it, it, in the end, it really wasn't a ton of extra work. I just we hadn't talked about that at all. And uh, it was a little bit surprising and, and end up taking a little bit more time than, than I had anticipated to uh, to get all these images. So anyway. I take it and and we he was still only here for about 15 minutes. Even with those wardrobe changes, that's really what took most of the time was those wardrobe changes. I had the camera on a tripod, so it was exactly the same position all the time. I had tape on the ground of where they should stand and the lights didn't need to change at all between wardrobes. So it's really literally he changes clothes, stands on the spot, pop, pop, and then change clothes, stand on the spot, pop, pop. And it was it was really fast. Still, it would have been even faster if it was the one wardrobe instead of all of it. But it's okay. It worked out. It was good. And then uh, I actually just got on the computer and and, uh, cut him out, did the extraction, and uh, put him on the background in about 45 minutes for all eight shots and, um, and sent them to him. And, uh, and he was, he was really excited about the, the shoot and how it turned out. So I was, awesome. I was happy with it. Yeah. I did make a mistake though. I made a one 
big, big uh, mistake as I did this shoot. And, oh boy. And that is I made the mistake of telling him a price for the shoot um, based on my imagination of it. One shot, one composite, get it done <laughs> pretty fast kind of thing. And I didn't ask if there was a budget for the shoot. And oh boy. And yeah. So um so I gave him a price and then when he forwarded me the email, how I would I'd asked him to send me the email. So I, my objective to get the higher quality version of the image. When I got the email, I could see in there that the CEO had said, and there's a budget for this of between, you know, two, two, two different values. They're way above, like it was three times the price that I, I had quoted him, which means (laughs) this was totally expensable as a corporate expense. And I totally could have gotten like the high end of that of that cost and it would have been fine. Like, and you no deserved that high end price too. <laughs> and I didn't ask about a budget. So uh, he actually did increase what he paid me when, when he came in and, uh, and I finished the shoot, but yeah, oh, I should have, I totally should have asked what's the budget should have been my question, especially yes. when he was telling me it's for my corporation and Absolutely. I need to match this. This I, you know, it's easy. It's easy to say. Well, that's actually a lot of a little extra work to make it match the photo that that he's had. And mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, it, it totally would have been fine. To do that, and I just made a mistake and should have asked him. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. And not only does that question allow you to determine how you should price out the job, but it also allows you to ter- determine if this client even is the right fit for you. Because if this person would have come to you and said, oh, my budget's $25, you would have been like, okay, moving on, not wasting your time with the conversation. So having that question up front for any type of photography is really valuable. Yeah. It's, it's, this is a real struggle for me because I view myself as someone that's just having fun with this. I'm a hobbyist that enjoys doing this. I loved the challenge here. I loved the whole concept of Ooh, I need to ma- nail down the analysis of how this photo was taken and I need to replicate this. Can I really do it where I'm going to clone out the the CEO and get the background and put him on it? And is this really going to work? And I was just excited at like trying it. And so the the money aspects of it was not a primary thought. And I, I've got to change that a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I've got to, I got to work on <laughs> Value that. Value your time, especially. Yeah. Yep. The time in particular, because uh, I, I ended up spending quite a bit of time with the testing I was doing and all stuff I want to do and I enjoy doing. It's, it's really cool to, to go and do that. But yep, I, I have to value my time. So <laughs> <laughs> Right. Lesson learned. Yes, we could. I could talk about a lot more, like the the screens, the backgrounds to choose. I think there's a whole episode there up to, to talk about the pros and cons. So I'm not sounds gonna, like a good photo taco yeah, episode. Yeah, probably. Uh, okay, so let's 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 wrap up the show. We've we've taken long enough here. Let's go to doodads of the week. What do you have, Erica? Okay, so my doodad is isn't a thing. It's not a physical object. It's a it's a program, an online program called Toggle. It's T O G G L no E on the end of it. Um, Toggle is a free time tracking program, which is kind of interesting. It's something I started using within the past few weeks for a couple of reasons. One, I'm doing some some hourly kind of contractor type work mm-hmm. for a couple of people. 
So I needed something to be able to keep track of my time for those clients. But then also it's really helpful for tracking how I'm spending my time within my own business. So I'm tracking how much time I'm spending on emails, how much time I'm spending on social media, how much time I'm spending blogging, editing, shooting, all the things so that I can see where the majority of my time is spent. And having something like that is super helpful because it allows you to really think about your pricing, really allows you to think about maybe outsourcing some things. If you've realized that something's taking you too much time, you can outsource things. It just helps you get a better sense of of how you're operating within your business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is this like an app or is it only online? Um, I think they have an app. I usually just because I do a lot of work on my my iMac, I usually just have it up like in Chrome. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think they have it as an app as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing. I I lose track of like we talked about already in the mini session. I I would lose track of time. So I just get <laughs> yep. I get into the shooting and into the processing, and I yeah, my the wife all is like, you coming back upstairs? <laughs> so, yes, yes, I'm coming. So all right, my doodad is um. Cable Matters three port USB C hub. I have to do a techie thing, right? Of <laughs> so, course you do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is a. I, I have MacBook Pros newer versions that only have USB C ports, and I still have tons of peripherals like hard drives and flash drives and headphones and all kinds of things that are the old USB standard. And so I need a way to be able to plug those in. And I have some little converters that can convert like one plug at a time. And I use those uh, quite a bit. But this is one that is a, it goes in the USB-C port and then offers three of the older style USB 3.0 ports there plus Ethernet. So I can use it to get my Ethernet, my wired connection to my computer, my MacBook instead of using Wi-Fi, which I prefer whenever I can. So uh, yeah, really, really helpful, really handy, very small, easy to, to, very mobile, easy to take with you. And it's uh, it's about 20 bucks. I think I, I suggested a different version before. I actually found an issue with the one, I think it was from Anchor that I, I recommended in the past where a Logitech mouse the little nub you have to put in the USB port so the mouse will talk to the computer, the wireless mouse, didn't work. Uh, so I got a, this one is from Cable Matters. Uh, I've done a lot of, I've bought a lot of stuff from Cable Matters with high quality cables and, and connection things. And it's a really solid brand for a very reasonable price. So 20 bucks for this. I'll have a link in the show notes if you're needing something similar that I can highly recommend. I've tested it now on lots of peripherals and this one works perfectly. All right, we're going to close up the show reminding you that masterphotographypodcast.com is the home for the show. Go over there and check out show notes. So Erica's tips on mini sessions will all be there in bullet points. You don't have to, you know, re-listen to the show 40 times to get all those tips. <laughs> They'll be right there. <laughs> our Facebook group is Master Photography Podcast. You can just search for it. Or again, our show notes will have a link to it if you want to go and join that group. It's a really fun group, highly collaborative. Uh, I saw a question just this morning as we were recording this, uh, very similar about portraits and and suggestions for how to get consistent lighting between portraits. And our listeners already did a really good job of answering that question. So if you're if you have questions about uh, any kind of shooting thing or post-processing thing, it's a great place to go and post the question and, and get some help with that. 
Um, you can find my work at jsharmanphotos.com or my podcast, the other podcast that we mentioned, phototacopodcast.com, where I have lots of like techie stuff that I go through with photography, trying to make it easy to under for, for the average person to understand the technical things in photography. I'll have my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook stuff there too in the show notes. Erica, where can people find you? You can check out my website, which is brand new, just launched a couple days ago. Um, it's ericakphotography.com. That's E-R-I-C-A-K-A-Y photography.com. Uh, check it out and let me know if you see anything that doesn't work or is messed up because I think I've been staring at it for far too long. <laughs> me and the other side of eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Erica K Photography. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Erica. I had so much fun talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. We'll uh, we'll see you all, you listeners. We're so grateful for everyone who listens to the show. We hope you find it valuable and will stick with us and subscribe to the show is the best way to help us and support us. And uh, we'll see you all again in another seven days. 